With node investing, this is an activity that generates a lot of tax liability. You have interest income, you have some capital gains. There's no write-offs, there's no deductions, no depreciation like there is with real estate. And so with that, you end up getting a pretty big tax hit each year with node investing. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Fred Moskowitz. Today, we're talking about note investing, becoming the bank by investing in debt. Fred started investing in notes many years ago, more than a decade ago now, and he had a career investing in real estate prior to that, prior to making the transition into note investing. We're getting so much information here. We're getting a compare and contrast of the note investing space today compared to where it was right in the wake of the Great Recession, right as we came out of the giant debt crisis, comparing and contrasting those conditions to today's conditions with rising interest rates and everything else going on. Is it the same? Is it different? Well, you're going to find out. We're also talking a lot about the fundamentals of note investing, where opportunity can be found in general, where Fred and his company invest, how they focus in a particular niche of the note space, and so much more. If you want an education on note investing, both in terms of the state of the market today and the fundamentals of where value can be found in notes and ways to finance a note investment or a note acquisition, this is the interview to listen to. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investments. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you do enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Fred Moskowitz, we're talking all about note investing, becoming the bank through investing in debt. Without any further ado, here we go. Fred, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to talk about note investing and how you are involved in that business. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do, how you invest in notes? Yes. Thank you, Taylor. So great to be here. Thank you for having me on. A little bit about me. I had a very long, successful career. I started out working as a computer engineer, and I was working often at different technology and startup companies. And one thing that happened was I watched my entire industry get completely turned upside down. We had the bursting of the dot-com bubble, which was a huge event. And right around the same time, the September 11th terrorist attacks. And so imagine all of this turmoil and crisis happening in the world. And so what that made me realize was that I was way too dependent on the income from my job. I loved the work I was doing. I loved working in the engineering world. But my job was full of all these circumstances completely out of my control. And what I learned was that no matter how talented of an engineer I was or how valuable of an employee I was, if things were not going well at the company or in the industry, I would quickly lose my job through no fault of my own. And so I came to the realization that I needed to have other sources of income so I wouldn't be so dependent on the paycheck for my job. 
And so that led me on this amazing journey into alternative investments, got involved in real estate investing, and after a number of years, eventually got into note investing, where note investing is investing in the debt side of the real estate transactions. And it's been a wonderful journey up until now. Awesome. Great. So I'm interested in that that transition you made from other types of real estate investing, getting into notes, because most of us real estate investors have our, we, we step our foot into the water with maybe a single family or more traditional, maybe a flip, more traditional real estate investment we're familiar with. You don't learn about notes until you really get involved with the real estate space. But how was yes. your journey that brought you to notes? It, it was very much like that. I started really getting into education around real estate investing and different books, workshops, and seminars that I was attending. And so I would see this little subject of node investing, of seller financing, of doing deals where you negotiate terms with the seller and have them create a note and carry mortgage for you. And and some of those different details, it, it, it would come up in small ways, but I would never was never seeing a lot of this. But after some time, through through some of the different net relationships that I had, I had the opportunity to actually buy notes, buy notes that were bank originated, and really get into this this business. So when I saw that, I, I recognized the opportunity, and and I went right to it, and it's really. It's really been a wonderful business. It's definitely a niche area of investing, but I think I feel it's so powerful because one thing that happens with node investing, it really establishes stable cash flow and a very predictable cash flow. So that that's something that was very appealing to me. Okay. So we don't know the exact you haven't covered the exact years when you made the transition into node investing, but I would imagine mm -hmm. that the market conditions at that time were very different than they were today. I'm still curious how you knew that those first deals in the note space were a good deal that they made sense. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very different time. So I started about 12 years ago, yeah, back in 2010. So definitely very different times. We were just getting out of a mortgage and liquidity crisis where things were, were very different. And there were a lot of notes being put out for sale on the secondary market. So very different different conditions from what we have now. And I started out doing a few smaller deals and then realized realized the power power of the business. And I started to lean in and, and really grow and eventually was focused 100% on that, I transitioned out of the engineering work I was doing and really focused 100% on, on the note industry. Awesome. Okay. So funding those first few note deals, how did you go about putting the capital together? I mean, you had already been, been investing in real estate. You probably had money sitting around, but how did you finance those first few deals? Yeah, it was, it was money that came from profits from real estate investing. Exactly. And that's one one aspect of this industry. It's very capital capital intensive business. So one of the things you have to get good at is either 
you have capital that came from another investment, like real estate or maybe stock investments, something like that, or you're you're raising investor capital. But there's there's no not really financing available for buying notes. They're they're cash deals. So when we go out and buy a pool of mortgages, it's it's being paid for all cash. And that's fairly standard in, in the industry. So this is one of the things that comes up when people kind of want to start putting their feet in the note investing waters is that mm-hmm. you might only have the capital for one or two note investments, but the big guys are out there buying big pools of mortgages, much more capital intensive. You just need significantly more money to buy one of those pools than people have. But you were able to get into the space just buying a couple of notes on your own without buying pools, at least at the beginning? Yes. Yeah. And when, when I started, we were buying a couple at a time. And 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 then over over time, as my experience and expertise increased, then the transaction sizes started to grow as well. And what happens is when you get into buying larger pools, now you're able to negotiate a better discount. You're able to access to different deals, different transactions because they're larger. And so that that's that's definitely an interesting aspect for sure. But it's it's something that there's a place for wherever you are. So you you can if you're starting out, absolutely you're gonna be looking at buying, maybe buying a single note, or maybe you're not even buying an entire note, you're buying a partial which is where you buy a portion of a note, a portion of the, the payment stream. Or maybe you invest in a note fund that's a managed fund where the, the fund managers raise capital from passive investors, and then they put pool that together and then go out to the marketplace and buy notes in larger quantity. And they're able to negotiate better pricing, better access to notes, and so that's a nice benefit for everyone involved. Okay. So a lot of times I find in the note space in particular, people tend to be a bit more savvy about self-directed retirement accounts and HSAs and other ways to invest in real estate. It just seems more common in the note space than in other real estate investing spaces. Mm-hmm. Can you comment on using those self-directed accounts in note investing? Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the most powerful strategies that an investor can use. I, I really love that. And it's something I talk about a lot to investors and my book on node investing. And whenever I speak, I always talk about this. I really want to get get the word out. Using self-directed retirement accounts is a great way to, to use that capital. You can buy a note, especially if you, you have the note you should have it serviced by a licensed loan servicer. They take care of a lot of the hands-on details and work. And that's important when you're investing out of a self-directed account because part of the restrictions are that you're not directly involved in the asset, right? It's not a it should be a hands-off transaction. And so notes are very well suited for owning in a retirement account. Because you have a note servicer taking care of the, the payments and processing the payments and managing all the details with the borrower. And so those payments, that payment stream just comes in every month, goes right into your self-directed account. 
and you don't have, you're not touching that money, which is one of the big rules and restrictions is that you as the account owner should not have direct access to the funds. It has to be done through a custodian. So yes, you can own a rental property, for instance, in self-directed retirement account. It can be done, but it can get a little bit cumbersome because of making sure that you stay compliant, following all the rules. So doing it with a note is, I, I think it's a lot more streamlined and easier to manage for people. And here's the other thing, Taylor, that makes this really powerful. With node investing, this is an activity that generates a lot of tax liability. You have interest income, you have some capital gains. There's no write-offs, there's no deductions, no depreciation like there is with real estate. And so with that, you end up getting a pretty big tax hit each year with node investing. So why not do this activity in your self-directed retirement account so that you can take advantage of all the tax benefits that are available, especially if you're using a Roth IRA, which is one of the most powerful, or, or an HSA account that's self-directed. Now you have that powerful tax treatment combined with the high returns, high income from notes, and it's a wonderful combination. Absolutely. And one of my real estate investing regrets that I talk about from time to time is that I have a self-directed IRA. I actually have used it to invest in real estate syndications. They're not my deals. They're other syndicators' deals. And Love that. Yeah. When we, but when we buy self-storage, for example, and we use a loan, the that then incurs UBIT and my self-directed IRA has to pay a tax that gets into the weeds. But becoming the bank and investing on the debt side of things and basically essentially being a lender out of your self-directed IRA does not incur that UBIT tax, which no, you know, to me is a big upside. Yeah, that's that's correct. There's no it's not going to be subject to those different taxes. And so it's pretty straightforward. It really is. You're not going to have to worry about preparing a tax return on behalf of your IRA account and getting into all that. That's that that can get involved. I mean, it's it's difficult enough to find a CPA that can handle that and knows what you're what you're dealing with. And so I, I like that. I absolutely agree with you. It's a lot more streamlined for sure. Yeah. The CPA part was one of the big headaches with the self-directed IRA, but that's yeah, a conversation for another day. Yeah. You know, won't make that mistake again, but there you go. It's made money, but it's just a headache. That's, that's the problem. So folks always want to talk about the state of the market, the changing times that we're in. And I think especially a conversation with you, a, a node investor could be particularly prescient maybe is the word that I'm looking for because the Great Recession really kind of started in the real estate space, started with a lot of distressed debt. It really st started in the lending yeah. market. And I'm curious if you're seeing anything like that today as with all these rising interest rates and everything along those lines. No, no, definitely not. There is, it's definitely shifting market. The space has gotten more more difficult to get started because there's less notes available. Pricing has is increased, and but property values are up. Equity positions are stronger, backing the notes. The rate of defaults is at an all time low right now, and so it's definitely some interesting times. And what we found success with is 
going to larger transactions, like I mentioned before, going to larger transactions where you're dealing with folks that you have established relationships with. And that that has really, really made a big difference for, for us. But like I said, it's definitely a shifting, changing market, much different than how it was years ago. But let's face it, real estate is a cyclical market. Real estate financing also is very cyclical. And so that, that's going to continue on in time moving forward. And the best thing that we can do as investors is to be nimble, watch for changing market conditions, and position yourself so that you're ready to make adjustments shift, make some changes to your business model as needed, and that will set you up for success in the next cycle. So you mentioned larger transactions. Does that mean, to me, that could mean two things. That could mean investing in just larger notes in general or larger, like just portfolios, packages of notes. Which direction has that gone for you? Like are the notes themselves the same size are getting bigger or are you just buying more notes at once? No, it's more more at once. More at once. Okay. But as far as size of notes, notes are available in all all sizes from $5,000 loan balance and then you can go up the other end into the millions, you know, you have those jumbo mortgages that are pretty popular. So and and everything in between. And so they're all they're all available, all those sizes, for sure. But to answer your question, yeah, it's really in the transaction size, the size of the pools. I, I feel that it really gives gives you more options and more flexibility when you're purchasing them that way. Okay, I wonder about in this the rising interest rate environment how that like impacts either the discount that you need to buy a note at or the rates that you're seeing on various notes. I would imagine that, you know, since a, a typical mortgage has gone from, you know, whatever, 3% just a couple years ago to now 6 7%, that that would impact a more distressed type of inv investment like a note. You'd expect to see a higher rate or a bigger discount or some kind of shifting in that that market. Have you seen that or is it kind of all the same still? No, it it's... It changes sometimes. It it really, I feel that it's more a function of supply and demand. Interest rates always will change. We buy a lot of notes that were originated several years ago, and so it's going to have interest rates from several years ago that that are in place. But really, it's it's always there's always a discount, and so that helps give you some insulation on changing interest rates. But interest rates of today on loans being originated today, those are not going to hit the secondary market for a few years into the future. And so there is that time delay element that's always a factor, always in play. Okay. okay. But note no pricing is impacted more by supply and demand, I feel, than anything else. So supply supply from banks being willing to sell the notes and demand from investors being willing to buy them. Yes, along with liquidity activity. If there's a liquidity crunch in the financial space, that, that has an impact. That's what causes 
notes, note portfolios to get sold more than anything else. So people often think, oh, there's something wrong with these notes and that's why they're being sold. It has nothing to do with it. It's more to do with liquidity. And it doesn't matter if you're a big hedge fund on Wall Street selling thousands of notes or an individual investor that you have two notes you're selling. If you need liquidity, if you need to recapitalize, maybe you're getting into a new new deal, new transaction, and so you'll sell some notes. Nothing wrong with the notes. They're doing well. They have a good track record. They're generating cash flow, but there's an opportunity to make a higher rate of return somewhere else, and so that investor will sell the asset to recapitalize. This, this is standard practice in all types of investments. So you mentioned about there being nothing wrong with the notes, and there are different areas in the note space where you're investing in performing versus non-performing, first, second lien positions, all that kind of a thing. In your yes. business, what do you prefer to target versus you know areas you kind of stay away from in, in that we, regard? Yeah, we like to target performing notes, and we look for notes that have a good track record and, and also where where there's opportunities sometimes there is problems with the notes that we can correct right it might be documentation issues or record keeping issues something like that that it can be fixed by investing time and money and effort into it and it creates opportunity and so anytime there's any inefficiency in either in the marketplace where you recognize an opportunity and you can respond to that. That's a great way to to generate profits and generate a nice rate of return. Mm, okay. And have you gotten into non-performing note investing? It seems like that may be the better way, or or more. There might maybe more potential there to go in and like force appreciation by getting those notes performing again. Maybe performing is leaving money on the table. But what are your thoughts about that? Is it less risk? There's risk with all types of note investing, for sure. I like performing notes. I feel that there's there's good opportunity there, and it's it's manageable. It's something that you can really scale into a large portfolio, and we've had great success with it. Is that the first, second lien? Do you care about the lien position? No, we it 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 can be both. It can okay. be both. Yeah, there's different different nuances between first and second lien position that that come into play but they're both you can do very well with both types yeah some people get scared of junior liens and they're considered to be more risky and so there's a higher rate of return associated with those but a lot of times taylor it comes down to what's the opportunity what's the opportunity that comes up for you as an investor to get involved with and Sometimes we'll buy loans where they're all junior liens. Sometimes we'll buy where it's mixed or their first position. And if if it's a good opportunity and you have capital available to deploy, you move forward with it. Okay. Okay. So for someone out there who may want to get involved with the note space, what would you recommend as like a next step to either start learning, getting deeper into, you know, basically making decisions about which direction is right for them. Yeah, a- absolutely. That's a great question. I would always start like anything else, start with education. Start with reading some books, 
a lot of podcast information available about node investing, and maybe attend some events, attend a workshop, attend a conference where you can be around other node investors and learn all the different niches, the different areas, so that you can decide what you want to focus in. For some someone that's getting started, maybe they like the idea of investing in a note fund where it's a more passive investment and you can start to build relationships with, with people, with other investors, and you're still under the guidance and umbrella of the fund managers. So you benefit from the relationships they have, the expertise and the experience they have, the access to notes. So that's always a great a great option as well. And definitely get get yourself around other individuals, the people that you surround yourself with, that you build relationships with. That's so important. And I think that's one of the key factors in setting yourself up for success, no matter what kind of investing you're doing. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Fred, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The best investment I ever made. Oh, there's so so many different ones. I'm thinking here here's one that's different that that I really benefited f- from a lot. I had an opportunity to invest in a local community bank that was starting up in my in my city. And so they did a private offering. It looks a lot like a syndication, but it was for forming a bank. The people running it had the expertise. They had done it before. And that was like a 10-year deal. And it did really well. I invested in it through my self-directed retirement account. And we made money with it. It was good. But one of the side benefits was that there was a ton of relationships that came out of it because the bank would have their quarterly meetings that you could attend in person. And I would go there and meet all these other investors that liked investing in private deals and built a lot of great relationships there. And so that's something that has a, a huge value. You can't put a monetary amount on it, but it opened up a lot of doors for me. And it was, it was just something different something different. A small community bank is, if you're not familiar with this, think of they're they're all over the country, every town, every city. They're the banks that have one or two or three branches. They do a lot of commercial lending. They do a lot of business banking for small local businesses. 
they're the banks that they're going to sponsor the little league team and you'll see their name on the back of the kids jerseys those those banks they're formed with small capital contributions from local investors and it it really was was great and how did i learn about this it came through an introduction through a personal relationship i had so I feel that that was one of the most interesting and most beneficial investments I've ever made. Cool. That's pretty pretty unique. I haven't heard of one like that before. Well, we had yeah. the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? The worst investment I ever made, it was buying some notes, actually. <laughs> and here's why. I bought a couple of small, small notes, low balance notes that were like, four or $5,000 loan balance. And so we bought the notes and got them, got them squared away. But what I realized after a while was that there was so much work and expense in working on a small deal and the same amount of effort, same amount of expense I could have put towards, instead of a $5,000 note, towards a $50,000 note or a $300,000 note was the same. And so my return on investment, my return on my time and effort, the numbers skew dramatically. It's exponentially different. And so after doing a couple of those small deals, I said to myself, this is something to avoid in the future. Even though, yes, we made money, but when you factor in all of these other aspects, it's not so good to do very small deals. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. The small deals can be tempting, but oftentimes the fixed costs or your time can make the difference between making it worth it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Think about this. How many deals can you handle analyzing at one during one week, right? On your desk? How many deals can you analyze that that's a fixed number. There's only so much time that we have in the day. And so if you look for opportunities to deploy your time for the highest and best use, you're going to start to see that smaller deals may not make sense. Absolutely. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The most important lesson that I've learned is to invest in yourself, invest in your education on an ongoing basis. I always encourage people, do you, do you have a budget for investing in your, yourself and your education each year? Do you know how much money you're, you're going to spend? And that can mean signing up for workshops, classes, whether they're online or in person, traveling to conferences where you're going to go get education, as well as meet other investors and build relationships. That's so important. And so I always encourage everyone, set aside money for yourself each year, have it as a line item in your personal budget and utilize that. Don't be shy about traveling across the country to go attend a conference, especially if you consider who are the people that you might meet there. What are the relationships that may come out of that? It could be a future business partner for you. It could be a future counterparty on a transaction, on a deal you might do. And so that's that's so important. 
always advocate for surrounding yourself with with great people, like-minded individuals, and invest in your education. If you're getting started, maybe you don't have a, a large amount of budget to spend on education, but there's always books that you can read. You can listen to podcasts, which don't cost anything. You can travel to conferences that might be close, closer located for you. But always seek that out. Seek out those opportunities and ask, ask the people that you know, what events are you going to? Are there any recommendations? And what you'll notice is there'll be a couple of common, common ones that multiple people recommended the same thing. And then you can go and check that out. Awesome. Well, Fred, thank you so much for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it. My book on node investing is available on Amazon.com. It's called The Little Green Book of Node Investing. And for anyone that wants to connect with me, I invite you just visit my website. It's at fredmoskowitz.com. If you prefer an easier spelling, you can visit giftfromfred.com and sign up there. You can join my newsletter or request a special report that I have on node investing, happy to send that out to you. And if you prefer to use a mobile device, you can text me as well. Just text the word money to 215-461-4433 and follow the prompts. Look forward to connecting with you. And thank you once again, Taylor. It was great being on your show today. Thank you. It's great to have you, and thank you for sharing all that information. And to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping Wall Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.